It's a time of peace. It's a time when we get together. It's, it's still the one time of the year. With all the religions of the world, this is the one time of the year that the entire world comes to a stop because of the birth of Jesus. But if we're not careful, we, we try to go back and, and we get lost in all of it. But the bottom line of it was we needed a Savior. We were lost in our sin, hopelessly lost. But Jesus was willing to come and take on the form of flesh and die for us. And it's a beautiful story that I want to give you. Number one is this. Principle number one of the absolutes of Christmas is this. Number one, his timing is always perfect. His timing is always perfect. Now, the Bible records in the book of Genesis that God created Adam and Eve. He created them in his likeness and in his image. We were to have fellowship with him. He breathed into them the very breath of life. We became a living soul. But we know that man forfeited that with temptation. The fellowship, the relationship with, was broken. And Adam and Eve fell and sin came into the world. But understand this this morning, that the God that we serve, the God that we sing about today, is never caught off guard. He didn't just look at Adam and Eve and look at what happened and call a meeting of the Godhead and go, we got a problem here, boys. We got to fix it. He, he's very comfortable this morning on the throne. He didn't wake up and watch Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever variety of news that you want to get and get worried about it. He didn't have to take a Prozac to deal with it. He's very comfortably seated on the throne. The Bible says even this. He knows the end from its very beginning. And what he promised at that very moment in time when Adam and Eve fell, he said to the serpent, he said, the, there is one who is coming. The, he's going to take away your authority. He's going to take away, he's going to bruise your head. What he was saying was, the authority that you have been given today, there is coming a day when that authority is going to be taken back away from you. He wasn't caught off guard. And understand that when God makes a promise, he keeps his word. When he decrees that something is going to happen, there is no demon, there is no devil in hell, there is no government, there is nothing that can stop the promises of God. He said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But now understand this. From the moment the promise was made till the time the promise was fulfilled, thousands of years would go by. Thousands of years waiting on the promise. The, the, the temple ritual would go on. The normal worship would go on. And even 700 years now, get, get this in your, in your mind, 700 years before Jesus would be born, the great prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, began to prophesy about him coming. He said he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him and with his stripes we would be healed. Those are great prophetic words ushered 700 years before Jesus would ever come. 300 more years pass and we come to the end of the Old Testament. 
And Malachi even prophesied that he would come. He said, there is one coming who will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. And then for 400 years, not another word would come from the Lord. Now think about that. Don't you know there had to be people who were saying, hey, I guess the prophets must have just had a little too much pizza and they missed it. Too much time has gone by. I mean, centuries have gone by. Thousands of years have gone by. Nothing but silence from the Lord. Now, if you come to this place 40 minutes and there's not a word from the Lord, you think something's wrong. And probably something is wrong. But imagine going generation after generation after generation and there's not a word from the Lord. But he decreed that it was going to happen. Here's what I have learned in my life. Silence from God doesn't mean that he's forgotten. Silence doesn't mean that, that he is inactive because when men thought that he was silent, you have to understand what God was getting ready to do. He said when the fullness of time, you see, God just doesn't knee-jerk things and, and just throw them into place. No, he has an exact time. He has an exact place. He knows exactly what he is doing. Your life is not an accident. The timing of your life is not an accident. You are here right now by divine destiny. You're here by divine purpose. And so what happens when it seemed like God was silent, here's what was going on. He was making preparation. He was making preparation for the collision of Kronos time, which is chronological time, and Kairos time, which is a movement and a timing divinely instituted by God. And the beautiful thing about it is when Kairos and Kronos collide, it is a moment of God, it's a moment of destiny that changes everything. So when he, when everybody thought he was silent, here's what was going on. When you look in the Old Testament, you see that nations were constantly fighting against Israel. There was war after war and battle after battle. Boundary lines were drawn that you didn't cross because you would get into a war. But when Jesus was born, it was the time of the Pax Romana or Roman peace. Now Caesar thought that it was his accomplishment, but can I tell you that God and his sovereign will allowed it to happen that the world would be at peace? And what Caesar did during that time, he had great roads built. He had a great transportation system built so that his warriors, his legionnaires could get to anywhere in the known world and keep the peace. But can I tell you this morning that God was the one who had the roads built? God was the one who allowed it to be peace. Why did he do that? Because in just a few years after Jesus would go back, it would be for his missionaries like Paul and Barnabas to go to anywhere in the known world and preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus. Here's what I'm telling you this morning. You may have come into this place and the praise team started singing. I love to hear them sing because it's more than just good music. And if you get tired of their music, come travel with me just one Sunday. 
I walk into some places and they start singing and I want to go, ho, yay, time out. Just stop singing, I'll take it right now. Not only is it beautiful music done well, but the spirit behind it. No, and I'm not just just placating here. I mean this. There is something behind their voices, the Spirit of God, that penetrates the atmosphere. It breaks through into the heavenlies and leads us into worship. But here is what I have found in my own life. There are moments when you are going through things and when you have a promise from the Lord and it seems like everything goes silent. But what I have found in my life is when I thought he was silent, He was building a road. He was building a way of escape. He had angelic angels with spiritual bulldozers that was moving the demonic spirits of hell and breaking away for me to get the victory. I want you to know, he hasn't forgotten you. He knows exactly what is going on. And when you think he's silent, he's doing his greatest work. He's working on your behalf. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. His timing is perfect. And you know what will happen in that? You see, here's what we try to do. I'm a type A personality. I fix things. That's what I do. When churches call me, they don't call me because they love me. They call me because they got a problem. And they want me to come and fix it. And there have been times in my life in that type A personality where I have thought if I said one more thing, that'll fix it. If I do one more thing, that'll fix it. But God has allowed me in his sovereignty to understand that there are things in my life when the enemy comes against me that I cannot fix. But when he moves in at his timing and his way, he alone is going to get the glory. You won't stand up and say, look what I did. But you will stand up and say, look what the Lord has done. You'll give him all the praise. You'll give him all the glory. His timing is always perfect. Secondly, the absolutes of Christmas, his ways are unpredictable. I love this part. Now, Mary gets some good news. She has a Ruach moment. The angel comes to her. Hail Mary, you have found favor with God. Mm, Don't we love that? (sighs) Shout all over the place, jump and dance. Favor with God. Man, we love that. We can run and we can testify and we can talk about that. And then he begins to finish. He says, you're going to have a son. You know, I love those, uh, you know, the Christmas readings. You know, like TBN, the Charlton Heston voice. Hail Mary, you have found favor with God. Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, the most high. You shall bear us. You know what I'm talking about? Let's get real with this story. Hey, Mary, you have found favor. Great, great, great. You're going to have a son. 
Now, how's that going to happen? I'm not married. I've never known a man. Here's what I believe we would have said today. Say what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Probably a lot of people would have said, get thee behind me, Satan. Probably what they would have said. But see, why did God choose Mary? Could, could, you know, and at, at the time, she's probably somewhere around 14 or 15 years of age. Could not God have scripted a more mature, older saint of God that could have done this very same thing? Why, of course he could. But here's what I believe. Age had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, here we go. Have you noticed that the older we get, the more normal we get? How many of you ever raised teenagers? Yeah, you know they're not normal. And have you ever said to them, I'll be glad when you grow up. Here's what you're saying. I'll be glad when you get predictable. Probably, if, you know, if I had Chad and Jeremiah and Isaiah to throw up a picture today of the last month of services of the congregation where you're sitting today, more than likely, you're pretty much sitting in about the same seat you've been sitting in for the last four weeks. You're at least sitting in the same section. And probably what is going to happen is when we leave here in just a few moments, you're going to go to the same restaurant, you're going to eat the same food, you're going to go home and take the same afternoon nap you took last Sunday, you're going to go to bed at the same time, you're going to get up at the same time. What happens is the older we get, the more predictable we get. And here's what we do. We crave normalcy. We want to be normal. I remember growing up with my brother that pastor that, that Paul talked about here just a moment ago who's preaching today in Greer, South Carolina. And let me tell you this. He always disses me when he's preaching. And if he thinks for one second that I'm going to give him credit for telling Paul Lofton to come to Kevin Wallace's church, he is sadly mistaken. I'm the one who told him to tell you to come here. Let's clear that record up right now. But when we were growing up, I remember passing by my grandparents' house. And uh, my brother and I were in the back, and, and we, we drove by their house. And it was about 8.30. And uh, the shades were down. The lights were out. And I remember making this comment. I said, hmm, Pa and Grandma must be gone off somewhere. The lights are out. And I remember my mom turning around saying these words. No, no, son. They're in the bed. When you get that age, you'll be in the bed. <laughs> it was 8.30. I thought to myself, oh, I do not want to grow up. That'd give me the hippy-jibbies going to bed at 8.30. <laughs> Fast forward 30 years. We 
We're living in Cleveland. I was in the youth department, and, and the kids are gone. Crystal and Chad are gone. It's just me and Charla. She's teaching school. And so I called her, and I said, uh, it's about this time of year, you know. It was cold, rainy. You know, it gets dark about 2 o'clock. <laughs> and so I said to her, I said, it was my day to cook. So the translated means, where do you want to eat supper, where we're going? So we met, we go home, and uh, we change our clothes, and we come over to the bed, and we're getting the pillows, all hundred of them, and throwing them in the floor. <laughs> hey, I mean, we're shutting it down. It's over. When my eye caught the clock on the nightstand, And I wish it had said 8.30. It was 7.30. 7.30 and it's over. And I had become normal. And I said to her, I said, I will not go to bed at 7.30. I will walk around this house till 10 o'clock. I refuse to be normal. Now here's the problem with all of this. Here's what we do to God. We put him in a box of normalcy. And we say, this is the way he worked in 1970. This is the way he worked in 1980. And this is the only way that our God can work. Let me tell you something. Our God is bigger than our little southern, white, traditional, classical, Pentecostal style of worship. Our God is a great God. He sits in the heavens. He rules in the heavens. And you can't put him in your little box of predictability. And when you put him in a box of predictability, you will miss the next move of God. You will miss the next wave of his spirit. But when you are open to new ways, when you're open to new things, he will do far beyond exceedingly abundantly above all that you can imagine or even think. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. You see, why did he have to move that way? You see, there was nothing miraculous about the birth of Jesus. I can see some of them go, whoop. I see you draw up. I'll hang on, I'm coming. There was nothing miraculous about the birth of Jesus. Now, if you think for one second, when she's having contractions and giving birth, that she's singing the hallelujah chorus. No, you got another thought coming. You know, another miracle of Christmas, if I was making a movie, I would talk about Joseph. Because in my opinion, he was the man. We don't hear a lot about Joseph. We know the angel come to him with a word after he had greeted Mary and said, this is of the Lord. But you think you got some things you can't explain. How do you think Joseph felt when he's drinking a cup of Starbucks coffee talking to the boys that his fiance is pregnant? Not only that, here's the big one. Getting her on a donkey. Come on now. Let's just get real about this story here. It's 90 miles to Bethlehem. Putting her on that. But here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph protected Mary. 
I want to tell you something, man. This is a sidebar here in this message today. You are the protector of your home. You are the protector of your wife. And you are the protector of your children. Rise up and be a man of God in the house. But what was miraculous about it was the conception. And let me tell you this. Without that miracle, it all falls apart. Everything, oh yes, he could have been born. Oh yes, he would have been a great man. He would have done a lot of great miracles and a lot of good things, but never have legally satisfied what it meant or legally made the legal satisfaction for your sin and for my sin. But no, the Holy Spirit, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And when the crime scene investigators of hell 33 years later would take the blood of Jesus to the crime lab of hell, there could not be one trace of human blood. There could not be one trace of Joseph. And it was not. It was blood of the spotless Lamb of God. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And through that miracle, brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus still has power. The blood of Jesus has authority. That's the reason 2,000 years later you can plead the blood and watch the devil back up. You can plead the blood over your house and the devil has to back up. He was the spotless son of the living God. Give him praise in this house. Now see, you're really going to love me because I'm finished. Come on, LeBron. The third absolute is this. His plan is always complete. His timing is perfect. His ways are unpredictable. But his work is always complete. The completion of that work was Calvary. And I'm amazed in our culture how we embrace the manger and a culture that will embrace the manger but reject the cross. The reason for the manger was the cross. Now what did he say? Paul said this. He said it to us. He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He didn't bring you to this point this morning to drop you off and leave you where you were. Whatever it is you're dealing with this morning, his promises are yes and amen. He has a timing for what he's doing in your life. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows exactly what is going on. He's orchestrating something that you never dreamed. you got to be open to an unpredictable way of how he wants to do it. But when he has done it, it will be complete. As they were going to Bethlehem, you know, we, we like to see the manger scene. And we have this image of him being in a stable, being in a barn. And I think we have the image like we're driving out 
Udawa and you, you see the field and you see a barn. And in that barn, of course, there's hay for the animals. You can put them in there and section them off. And I, th I think that's the mentality we have about the scene when Jesus was born. But really, it was anything but that. Really, he was born in a cave. A cave. Because that's where the animals were kept in that time. A cold, lonely, dark cave. But there's meaning in that. And what the Lord says to the world and what he says to some of you this morning is this. In the loneliness of your life, I know where you are. In the coldness of the atmosphere that you have, I know exactly where you are. I know where you are. I know what you have done. But I still love you. I still love you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? You just lift your hands and give him praise this morning. Just lift your hands and speak praise to him right now. Come on, just speak your praise to him this morning. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're dealing with this morning. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten where you are. He knows where you are this morning. He has the perfect timing that he's going to bring you out. He knows exactly when you walked into the wilderness. He knows exactly when you're coming out of the wilderness. All he says to us this morning, all he says is be open to what I want to do in your life. Now look at me this morning. Here's the thing that Mary had. She had a word from God. She had a word. She had a word. She couldn't explain the word. She didn't know the how. She didn't know the why. But there was something in her heart that caused her to trust God and believe Him. I have found walking in my life. It's, it's great to come to Ruach. It's great to come in here when the praise and worship team is singing. But brothers and sisters, when you walk out the door and you deal with life, you better have a word on the inside of you to deal with the culture. Because when the praise and worship is over, the only thing that's going to get you through is you know you've got a word from the Lord inside your heart and inside your life. And when the emotion is over, when the feeling is over, it is the word that will take you through every situation. It is the word that you can point at the devil and say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. It is the word that you can decree to the devil, I am the head and not the tail. It is the word that you declare to the enemy. It is the word that will bring victory in your life. And what she did, she pushed through the culture because she had a word. And all she said was this. It had never happened before. But she said, be it unto me according to your word.
And what did the angel say? You see, when you have a word, you don't know how, you don't know when. But like the angel said to her, the word will never fail. Never fail. The word will never fail. It doesn't matter what happens in Washington this week. It doesn't matter what happens next week. The Word of God will last forevermore. It is forever and forever and forever. It is forevermore settled in the heavens. I don't know where you are in your life today. I've lived a good life. God's been good to me. I'm telling you, there's something deep inside of me today. This season of my life, I say, Lord, I don't want to be predictable. I don't want to be a predictable old man. I don't want to come to this stage of my life and just wither and die away. I'm like Mary today. Oh, speak to me, Lord. Give me a word. Be it unto me according to your word today. Come on, just lift up your hand. Let the Holy Spirit just settle that in there right now. I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good. And I know you hold my future and my hope cause your promises never fail your promises never fail I know your thoughts your plans for me are good and I know you hold my future and my hope cause your promises never fail your promises never fail. I know your thoughts. Come on, everybody. Come on, lift your hands and sing. Lift your hands and worship.
of you say with me this morning, there's a word that I know the Lord's given me about a situation, but the enemy's been coming against me saying it's never going to come to pass. His word is not true. But today, faith has arisen in my heart. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. But I know his promises never fail. And today, like Mary, I say, just be it unto me according to your word. Lift up your hand right now. Lift up your hands right now. Come on. Now give him praise for it right now. Speak your praise. Speak your praise to him. Speak your praise to him. Come on. His promises never fail. His word is true. He will do what he said he would do. Give him praise in the house for promises that are going to be fulfilled. Your house will be saved. Your house will be saved. Your children will be saved. Your husband will be saved. Give him praise. Some of you, you couldn't sing that because you don't have a promise. And maybe you identify with the cave this morning, the loneliness and the coldness of the cave where Jesus was born. Maybe you come into this place this morning, you are lonely and you are cold and you do not know this Savior that we have talked about. The Holy Spirit has touched your heart and touched your life, and you realize that you're not ready to meet Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right where you're standing this morning? Maybe you came in here like that. Just slip up your hand and put it back down. Just slip it up and put it back down. That's all you have to do. That's all I'm asking right now this morning. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I love you this morning. Thank you for coming and dying for my sin. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me of my failures and my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Today I surrender my heart and I surrender my life to you. I will live for you all the days of my life. I love you this morning, Jesus. And amen. Amen. Will you give the Lord praise in the house of the Lord? Come on, give the Lord praise in the house of the Lord this morning.
Come on, will you give Bishop Madden a hand and thank him for that word he brought to us today? We're going to stand on his promises every day, amen? We hope that you'll join us Wednesday night. Pastor Kevin will be back here. He is super excited. He loves Christmas time, and he is leading a Christmas singing on Wednesday night. So make sure you're here with him uh, to celebrate the season. Can we bow our heads and pray? Just want to pray a blessing over you as we get ready to go. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you are true to your word. And we hang on to the word and we stand on the word today. God, now bless your people as they go. Keep them safe. Pray a hedge of protection around them. And God, no weapon formed against them will prosper. And we give you all praise and all glory. And everyone said, be blessed as you go. We'll see you back Wednesday night at 7.